Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Last week, we kicked off a new sermon series called Beyond Blessed, and we gave out copies of this book to everybody who was here last week. If you missed last week, we'd encourage you on your way out either of these doors. There are two tables set up. Grab a copy for you. Grab a copy for your friends. And uh, it's not, we're not putting limits on it. We're not saying one per household. We're saying one per whoever will read it. And so this morning, if you want a copy, make sure that you grab those if we, uh, if we, If all of those disappear today, we'll order more and continue to give those out to you. Uh, This book and this series is a sequel to the book by Robert Morris, The Blessed Life. Last week, we talked about in order to live beyond blessed, it takes two legs. It takes generosity and good stewardship. If you missed last week, we'd encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on Spotify or YouTube and watch or listen there This morning, we're going to look at the concept of ownership, the answer to the question of who is the owner, and who is the owner and is the foundation to living a beyond blessed life. Remember, the beyond blessed life is a life that blesses others. We are blessed to be a blessing. So I don't want us to confuse this this morning for materialism or a hyper-prosperity message. That's not what this is about. It's not the goal at all. But I want us to live a life where we can be a blessing. Last week I prayed over all of us who were here that God would open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out his blessings on each of us. Again, not for material wealth or materialism or for prosperity, but instead so that we could be a blessing. In order to live a life where we can be a blessing or to live a blessed life or beyond blessed, there's a foundation that first has to be established. And that foundation is ownership. The foundation of stewardship is ownership. You'll never be a good steward if you don't actually know who the owner is. Robert Morris shares a really funny story of his daughter. I want us to turn our attention to the screen and hear that this morning. Um. When my uh, da- daughter, Elaine, went to college, um, she's right down here, uh, she went to ORU, and um, when Josh and James went to school, Josh went to school in Florida, James went to Baylor, um, I, I set up, I, I linked their accounts with my account and just would just wire money, you know, every month. And um, when Elaine went, I, I, ju- I just gave her a credit card and just said, put things on the credit card. I remember getting that first bill, <laughs> and realizing that um, uh, you know a five, six, hundred and ten pound woman could not eat that much, and and so I um, I called and I said, "Are, are you buying meals um, or gas or because there were gas station you know bills that." wouldn't, her Toyota Corolla couldn't hold that much gas. And I said, are you buying meals and gas for your friends? This is what she said to me. She said, Dad, you taught me to be a giver. (laughs) 
I said, sugar, that's not giving. That's called stealing. <laughs> because you're not the owner. You're giving my money away. That's my money. Is the money in your account yours? Wow. Is the money in your account yours? Let's talk about a few things. Number one, this morning, everything that we have all belongs to God. Everything that we have belongs to God. Not just the tithe, but everything that we have belongs to God. Psalm chapter 24, verse number one, in the New Living Translation it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The earth and th is the Lord's and everything in it. He owns it all. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people. And here we watch ownership here and here's what it says, belong to him. Everything and everyone belong to him. Psalm chapter 50, verse number 10 says, for every beast of the forest is mine. He owns it. It says the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the cattle and he owns the hills. Verse number 11, I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. Verse number 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. He says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you because you don't own it. He says, for the world and its fullness are mine. It's his. And this is a revelation that we have to get. You can work for it. You can earn it. Your name can be on the title or on the deed. But if you are a believer, you understand that it's not yours, it's God's. When I was in college, there was a family that would open up their house for me. And I remember talking with the, the mom of the house. Her name was Barbara. And she lived by this philosophy. She knew that everything that she had was not hers, but it was God's. And so she didn't just, it wasn't just a lip service, it was something that she lived out. And so as a college student, I was able to have access to their house, bring my dirty laundry over to their house and wash my clothes, sit on their couch and watch their television and open their refrigerator and eat their food. And I'm just telling you, as a college student, five hours away from my family, it was so nice to have a place that felt like home. And I was able to receive that blessing because she believed her entire life that she was blessed to be a blessing and that everything that she had was the Lord's. And so again, as believers, we understand that everything is God's. And that's why when God tells you to give something or share something, you don't grieve over it and it doesn't bother you, it's his, right? The day that I wrote this message this week, that night, I went to the gas station, Quick Star, east side of town, if you want to know specifically where I was at. And there were no other cars there except I pull up, and this other gentleman from our church pulls up, and I said, looks like we're about to do the same thing. He said, what's that? I said, drop $75 to fill up our gas tank. He comes over to my gas pump, puts his credit card up against the stupid little card reader thing so I can't even fight him over it, and it approves it, and, and he pays for my gas, and, and I'm just like, man, you didn't have to do that. And, and so when, when I was done pumping the gas, actually, I, I, I kid you not, I said to this man, 
I said, bro, this is going to cost you a lot more than you thought because I have all the gas cans from my house in the bed of my truck, and I'm going to fill them up <laughs> while I'm at it. That part was a joke. I really did tell him that, but I didn't have those gas cans in, in the bed of my truck. So when the receipt came, I walked it over to him, and I said, man, you, you didn't have to do that, but thank you so much. And he looked at me, and he said these words. He said, it's not my money anyway. And let me tell you something. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a moment where you're like somebody has hacked into your emails and has read your email. Because this man was not in our service last Sunday to hear the message. He had no idea of knowing what the message was going to be about today. And I had just typed these words on ownership when a man from our church who was not part of this service, who's not read this book, says, it's not mine anyway. And my jaw dropped and I just looked at him. He says, I'm not saying it's my wife's. That's not what I'm saying. I said, no, I, I get it. That's not what I'm assuming. I said, but you have no idea the words that I just typed into my computer to share on Sunday and how this illustrates it. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so then for me, I have this moment of what am I, if we're blessed to be a blessing, then who am I going to bless, right? You feel that tension. And there's nobody else at the pumps to be able to, hey, some guy just did this for me. I'm going to do this for you. And and so, again, I, I think we need to posture our hearts, if we're blessed to be a blessing, to be a blessing. And so later in the week, there was an opportunity for me in a different way to be able to bless people because, again, we're blessed to be a blessing. I want us to look at another illustration up here uh, on the screen this morning. Now, you know, my wife and I uh, like to give cars to people when we can and when the Lord speaks to us, too. And we went through a season where it just seemed like we were giving, we gave, I think, I, it's, it's, I, I don't want to say something that is not true. For some reason, I think we gave away nine cars in 18 months. But I know it was uh, nine cars, and I know it was a short amount of time. And it was just a, a season I was traveling, and, and um, we were making more money than what we needed, and we just kept seeing needs, and so we just kept you know, giving cars to missionaries or single parents or, or whatever. And there was a, a couple in our church that said, hey, we, we'd like to give a car to this family that needs it. Um, and we, we've heard that you give cars away. And we also understand we can't designate it. By law, you can't do that. You can't give a car to nonprofit and designate it. So they said, so we're not doing that, but that would be our preference. But we, we want to give it to your ministry. This is before Gateway Church when I was traveling and, and had a ministry that, that was a nonprofit ministry. And so they gave it to us. Now, it takes a little while to transfer the title, and I'd found a way that you wouldn't have to wait six weeks that you could actually transfer the title in 24 hours and do it that way, you know, and some of you know about that. And so I transferred the title over, I'm, and I had the thought, I'm, I'm going to drive the car over to a mechanic just to make sure nothing's wrong. I don't want the family to have a bill, and it's a, you know, something to take care of it. On the way to the mechanic, the engine went out. I got to the mechanic, I got, got it towed to the mechanic, and the mechanic said, uh, the whole engine's gone, cracked the block, and it'll take about $2,000 to fix it. This was in the 80s. And so um, I told him, well, go ahead and do it. Now, I'm driving away, 
and I'm pretty honest with the Lord that he can handle it. He's very secure. I don't know if you've noticed that. But um, so I said to the Lord, this is too much of a coincidence, you know? They owned it yesterday. The other families will own it tomorrow. I own it one day. One day. And the engine goes out. And I'll never forget what the Lord said to me. He said, the family that was giving it didn't have the money to fix it. The family that was receiving it didn't have the money to fix it. You have the money because I gave it to you. And I can stop giving it to you anytime you want me to. <laughs> and he was strong about it. And I said, no, that's okay. That's uh, it's Okay. And if you want me to do this, I'll do it. Wow. When we understand that it's all God's, we realize it's because God gave it to us so that we can be a blessing. And what a powerful line that he shared there. I mean, it's painful, right, to be the one stuck with the bill. But that interaction with God is powerful. We get it because he blessed us to be a blessing. And when God puts that in our hearts, that everything that we have is his, that's why when he asks us again to give it away, we don't grieve about it and we're not upset about it because it wasn't ours in the first place. Many of you understand this revelation, some even better than me. Many of you sort of have it and many of you don't get it at all. But this is something that we all have to get. It changes everything. It's the greatest way to live in this world, to have wonderful things in the world, to enjoy it, but to not own any of it. And this is something that, uh, that we have to get deep down in our hearts. Robert Morris shares the story that when his son went to Florida for college, that, uh, that they were paying an astronomical amount of rent for this horrible, horrible apartment. And so they began to look for a different place. And he called his dad and he said, Dad, I found this place that's going to save you money. It's $100 cheaper than what we're paying right now. And it's much nicer in a safer area of town. And so he tells his dad that he can reduce what he's sending to him by $100. And Robert Morris shared in his book, he said, Instead of reducing what I sent to my son, I added $100 and gave him $100 more than what I've been given because he showed that he was a good steward. God blesses good stewardship. The number one thing for people to understand through this series is in the same way that people give and God blesses supernaturally, when we become good stewards, God blesses supernaturally. When you're a good steward, there's a supernatural, miraculous element from heaven on your finances. And it isn't just that the numbers add up by doing a budget, it's that God begins to bless you supernaturally. And so when you say, I'm going to get my finances in order, he's going to bless you. And so the first point this morning is this, that God owns it all, and secondly, the first belongs to God. In Exodus chapter 13, verse number 2, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, is mine. God says this, the God who doesn't change, the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever says, it's mine. And in Exodus chapter 23, verse number 19, he says, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. The best of the first fruits, the tithe of your first fruits. You know how we know that 
that the first fruits belong to God? Because he didn't say in this passage to give those things. Instead, he said to bring them because they don't belong to us. In Genesis chapter four, verse number three, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering. Notice it doesn't say first fruits of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So many people say things like tithing was under the law and we aren't under the law. And I'll just tell you this morning, it's true. But if you think that that means that you can commit adultery or that you can lie or you can murder someone and that won't affect you, you're greatly deceived. If you think that you can take from God and not be affected, you are also greatly deceived. Sometimes when we read the Bible and we don't have the full context of time, we can maybe assume that all of the characters in the Bible lived at the exact same time and that this was just a snapshot in history. But I want to uh, throw something up on the screen with some different characters from the Bible and some timelines that maybe will help us have some perspective this morning. Cain and Abel were around 4,000 B.C., and again, just to give you some markers, Abraham, we talk about Father Abraham, you sang the song, had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, thank you, uh, 2000 BC. And then it, Moses and the law, the Ten Commandments, 1500 BC. And then again, just to give a marker, David, man after God's own heart, 1000 BC. This is just a little bit of history with some characters that you'll recognize. And notice this, Cain and Abel were 4,000 B.C. And Moses and the law came at 1,500 B.C. And I realize that some of you are better at math than others. So those of you who are better at math than others, how many years were between Cain and Abel and Moses and the law? 2,500, that's right. 2,500 years before the law was given, God accepted a first fruits offering but did not accept the other offering because it was not first fruits. And so this is a principle with God. And by the way, 2,500 years before the law said, thou shalt not murder, was murder wrong? Was murder still wrong when Cain and Abel were around? Of course it was. Murder didn't become wrong when the law was given, and tithing didn't become right when the law was given. We see Abraham at 2000 BC, that's 500 years before the law was written. And in Genesis chapter 14, it says that Abraham tithed 500 years before the law was ever written. Why would he do this? Why would he 500 years before the law was written unless he knew that it was a principle that the first of all of your income belongs to God? It all belongs to God, but for some reason, God set aside the first for himself. The tithe belongs to God. And God calls the person who does not return the tithe a thief. Robert Morris talked about that when his daughter was dating someone, he would check their tithing record to make sure that the person who was dating his daughter was tithing. And he said, why in the world would I give my blessing to let my daughter marry a thief? 
For those of you who are in a dating relationship and maybe you've done the hundred questions already that you've asked of compatibility, are we compatible in these areas, I would encourage you to ask the question, number one, is the person that you're dating a follower of Jesus? Right? The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked. If they're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to break up with them, let them experience salvation, and then maybe come back together in a dating relationship. If it's what God means for you, then I would encourage you to do that. But the first question you should ask when you're going to date somebody, if it's not obvious, is are you a follower of Jesus? Number one question, right? And then in the other list of questions that you ask, I think it's completely appropriate for you to ask the question, do you give 10% of your income to the church? Are you a tither? Right? And then you can see in that moment, I, I don't think it's a crazy a a question to ask. Again, it's God that calls the person who does not return the tithe a thief. In Joshua chapter 7, he uses the word stolen. And in Malachi chapter 3, he says, you've robbed me. Because it belongs to God, it all belongs to God, the first belongs to God, and finally, the tithe belongs to God. Tithe is a Hebrew word that means a tenth, and specifically the first tenth. When a sheep had a lamb, you were to give the first one, not the tenth one, and the reason why is it doesn't require faith to give the tenth one. It requires faith to give the first one. When they went into Jericho, the promised land, God, uh, God said, bring. He didn't say give again because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. He said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. And he said all of it because Jericho was the first city. It's the principle of the first. And he said, bring me the first and the rest will be blessed. When they kept some, they lost the second battle at Ai, which was a really small city. They couldn't even defeat a small city because they had stolen from God. And in Joshua 7, this is the language that God uses. He says, you've stolen from me. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Leviticus chapter 27, verse number 30, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Again, remember, ownership. Every tithe is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Sometimes people get hung up on 10%, and it's not really about the 10%. It's about the first 10%. And why did God use this number? I don't know, but I'm really grateful that he didn't use 90%. Right? 10% is easy. And I'll just tell you, you know, I've been a follower of Jesus since I was 11 years old. I've been tithing on my income long before I was ever a pastor. 10% is an easy calculation. And so I'll just tell you that for me, when I go to a restaurant and I'm calculating the tip of 20%, I can do it just like that. And the reason why I can do it just like that is I just double 10%, right? It's easy. It's a formula that's in my head. And I'm just telling you, as followers of Jesus, it should be a formula so easy for all of us as, as we think about tithing. It's also equal. So whether you have little or whether you have a lot, God requires the same, 10% of that. I want us to, uh, Pastor Robert Morris closes this, this message with this really powerful illustration. I want us to turn our attention to the screen and see that this morning. I led a guy to the Lord one time, and he asked me to disciple him. So we met every week to disciple him. Now think about the scriptures, the Trinity, uh, the Apostles' Creeds, 
um, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, deliverance, all those things I did use. But do you know what I did the first week? Tithing. You want to know why? I wanted him to get out from under the curse. See, what I'm telling you, I believe. I believe this. I believe that book right there when it says, you're under a curse because you've robbed me. You took what belonged to me. I believe that. I believe that. So I explained to him about tithing. So <clears throat> that Friday, he got paid. He's on commission, and he had a bad week. So his check was $640. So that weekend, I saw him at church, and he showed me his check. He said, look, I brought my tithe check, $64. And he said, and you know, this was a bad week for me. So this is, it's, it's really tough to do that this week. But he said, I believe what you told me, and I believe the scriptures you showed me. So he put his $64 in on Sunday in the offering box. Monday, he calls me. <clears throat> he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, when I got home, I got the mail out of the mailbox, and there was a letter from the city of, and he lived in Irving, from the water department. And I thought it was the bill. And he said, I opened it up, and it said, we've done an internal audit, and you've been paying too much. And he said, there was a check in there for $640. Ten times the amount. <clears throat> you will never convince me in a million years that that's a coincidence. Never. Wow. I believe that God wants to bless some of you like that. Last week we talked about the number of parables that Jesus taught that had to do with money. And I asked the question, does Jesus want your money? Jesus doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. And I'm just telling you in full disclosure, in this message of seri this series of messages, I don't want your money either and the church doesn't want your money. But what I do want is for everybody in this room to have hearts fully surrendered to God. And I realize that for some of you in the room this morning as we talk about these things, it's uncomfortable for some of you because you don't tithe. You don't like these verses and, and you don't like that God would require this as, as pure worship unto him. And I just wanna encourage all of us as we come across scriptures in the Bible that maybe our lives are out of alignment with or maybe difficult for us to swallow, that rather than assuming that we're right and God's wrong, that we would assume that God is right and that we're wrong. And so then we would bring our actions and attitudes all into alignment with what the Word of God says. And here's what I know is that there are some people in this room and watching online who this has been a stronghold in your life. You're like, God, I've given you this, and I've given you this, and I've given you this, but I, I just can't. And I just want to tell you this morning that you can. 
And I believe that as some of you let go of that piece of control in your life, you're going to see the love of the Father in a way that you've never seen before. And he's going to pour out his blessings upon you in a way that you could have never dreamed, asked, or imagined. So we're going to give you a challenge, right, to respond to this message in a way that says, God, I'm, I'm going to go online today and I'm going to give you 10% of my income or on the way out the doors this morning, I'm going to drop this off in the box. And here's what I want to say to everybody who's listening. If you do this for 90 days, you tithe on your income and you practice good stewardship and at the end of 90 days you say pastor it didn't work for me i want my money back i'm telling you we'll pull up your giving receipt and we will give you every last cent back that you've given in the last 90 days that's how much i believe that god wants to bless some of you and to demonstrate to you again that it's not because we're crying out for your money instead we're crying out that you would surrender your hearts completely to god I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there's some of you today who you've never surrendered your heart to God at all. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, and you say, today I want to become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him, and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you you say I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time or you say I need to see my relationship restored back to him when I count to three why don't you slip up your hands all across this room one two three lift them up all across this room thank you I see that hand you can put it down are there others this morning thank you there's another you can put it down are there others this morning let's all stand There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise this morning for what he's done. If you raise your hand, we want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. We'd ask that you would text YES to 319-250-8998. Text the word YES to 319-250-8998. We leave time at the end of our services for people to experience prayer. And so if you have need, any area of your life that you want prayer for, in just a moment, the prayer team is going to come to the front on each side of the stage here. The worship team is going to lead us in another song.
If you need prayer for anything, I'd encourage you as soon as that song is, begins to be sung that you would step out of your seat and come forward. I want to pray for us. Again, worship team will lead us in this song. I encourage you to step out of your seats. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us, for your forgiveness when we miss the mark, and for grace on the journey. Lord, I pray for those this morning that that this has been a, that the area of tithing, giving 10% of their income to the church, that it's, it's been a struggle for them. It's been a stronghold. Lord, I pray that this morning that you would give them the courage to step out in faith and obedient giving. Lord, I pray that as they do, that they would experience such immense freedom in a way that they've never experienced before and blessings in a way that they could ever dream or imagine. They're not giving to get something. Instead, they're giving out of obedience. But Lord, I pray that in that faithfulness and in that obedience that you would do something special in their lives. Lord, for those that have been faithful with obedient giving and Maybe this morning you're calling them to the next step of generous giving, of giving above and beyond that 10% to kingdom builders for global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. Lord, I pray that this morning that you would help each of us to take that next step. Lord, I thank you that you've blessed us to be a blessing. And so, Lord, again, as I prayed last week, I pray that you would open the floodgates of heaven and that you would pour out your blessings on every individual and on our church so that we can be a blessing and we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.